They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! of wrestling and today's episode is brought to you and powered by spartacon a rebels convention hosted by the red serpents on august 15th and 16th at the blue crab stadium in waldorf maryland please visit redserpents.com for more information and with that being said my name is chad and as always i am joined by my tag team partner the man of the hour Mr. Primetime Paz, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, yo, doing pretty good, Chad. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing quite well, and today our guest is MMA superstar and also pro wrestling superstar, King Mo Muhammad Lawal. What are your thoughts on our very cool interview with King Mo, a man who wears many hats and actually... What I love about his wrestling career is it came with a lot of heat. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. He, uh, I know, I love King Mo. I always liked him. I just like the way he presents himself, and you know, I just love talking to him as well because I love the way he's just so candid and he's so honest, and and quite frankly, he's a mark just like us. So it was really cool <laughs> getting to hear about how much of a wrestling fan he was when, you know, obviously when he was younger, but even more so now, how big of a fan he is. Yeah, he's uh, he's a great fan, and uh, he's right in our wheelhouse, which I love when we can talk to these guys, and they're uh, they're right in our fan wheelhouse, you know, basically that same generation. But he uh, his wrestling career now. I preface if you want to hear about the the fighting stuff, Primetime is your man, and he covers it like uh, no other. And man, did they break down some fights that even I, who did not really. The, the most knowledgeable about the product uh, could get into what they were talking about because John really knows his stuff. But uh, when it comes to wrestling, he's definitely a guy whose name uh, generated a lot of heat because when TNA brought him in, it was um, basically there was a lot of question marks as to what they were going to do with him, and then they kind of dropped him out of thin air and brought him back. It was uh, definitely a weird association, but uh, just by talking to him, you you could tell how much he actually really loved it. Yeah, and he and how much a part of it he wanted to be, and I wouldn't say brokenhearted, but you know, he, TNA kind of um, didn't really use him. I don't know if that was more of uh, Spike TV's doing, or if that was uh, Bellator's doing, or what happened there. But you could tell he wanted to be more a part of it than he was, and he wanted to be wrestling. He said he was training to wrestle. He said the training for pro wrestling, which we've heard before, is actually harder than MMA which is always an interesting and it always makes me smile when I think about it because people are like, no, MMA is harder. And then you get professional uh, fighters like King Mo or even Frank Shamrock and Ken Shamrock who stated in the past that pro wrestling training is actually harder. Uh, that always brings a smile to me. But um, it's just interesting how he wanted to be such a bigger part of it and he just never was. Yeah, it's so weird. We do, we do talk about the Team Dixie 
versus uh, T, what was it Team Dixie versus TNA, right? Where it was mm-hmm. his yeah. big, his last big uh, hurrah in TNA, where uh, they battled uh, was that the Aces and Eights, uh, right? Was that that same? Was that with Rampage? It's just it was weird. It was just a weird booking and, and a weird situation that they put him in. Well, when he came back with Team Dixie, he was with Dixie and EC3, and I think Spud was still a heel. Okay, that, that, yes. Yeah, so right. yeah, he was with that, like, weird um, weird pairing. It was before, I guess, before they brought in Brodus, he was kind of, I guess, brought in for right. a small time okay. as the enforcer for the group. Yeah, he was Team Dixie. It was weird, though. It didn't really make any sense. Unfortunately, it is hard to remember some of the TNA factoids over the last couple of years because it's it's there are so many things that happen. In a calendar year with them, it's hard to uh, actually piece them together these days. Which I don't know if that just goes to my uh, uh, my brain here as a as a longtime fan. I have so much information I can store, but that's besides the point. My favorite part, and I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask what your favorite part is. But what what tag team did you love hearing King Mo just put over like crazy in this interview? He loves. The Young Bucks, which is uh, a team that I have myself have grown to love over the years, and obviously they're a huge part of the Bullet Club and Ring of Honor. They're awesome. And the funny thing is, he's such a big Young Bucks fan. He was at the uh, Bellator fight, Bellator 138, when uh, Shamrock fought Kimbo Slice. And guess what? He's on air, he's on camera, he's wearing a Young Bucks guilty shirt, which is awesome. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, you should go to ROHwrestling.com and buy yourself a Young Bucks guilty shirt if they're not sold out. But it was just awesome to see. It's like, okay, they're interviewing King Mo, who's getting ready for his big uh, fight. It's a one-night tournament uh, down in, I forget where it is, but it's it's in, it's in September. Oh, it's in um, it's in San Jose, California. And it's in uh, September 19th, I believe. And it's a one-man, uh, excuse me, four-man, one-night tournament that he'll be taking a part of, along with Emmanuel Newton, Phil Davis and Linton Vassell, so it's interesting. So he's out there with all those guys, and they're on stage, and he's got a Young Buck shirt on. Lo and behold. Now, to just kind of talk about the uh, that MMA card and the, the Bellator card in September. Now, they, there's been a little scuttlebutt the last couple of days about Moe's involvement. Could you could you shed some light on that whole uh, controversy or, or whatever the talk is that's involving uh, King Mo right now with that? Now he's just being awesome King Mo, kind of pro wrestling style King Mo, where he's just doing a lot of trash talking, basically saying that Tito Ortiz is getting the uh, the title match that night against Liam McGeary, who's the Bellator light heavyweight champion. And he basically says, man, I can kick Tito Ortiz's ass. Basically, you know, <laughs> saying that he really sh- should be in that spot. But uh, I could see why they went with Tito Ortiz. He draws well. The last time he was on Spike, they did a tremendous number rating. So I can kind of see, but I'd much rather see King Mo in a title fight. But uh, something tells me he may win this one-night tournament and end up fighting for the title anyway. Very nice, very nice. Tito Ortiz as well also has some uh, pro wrestling ties with uh, with TNA okay. back in the, yep. the early days uh, of TNA. So I love how... All these, uh, you know, these MMA personalities all have uh, this pro wrestling ties. It's always a little, always gets me. I always love that. But uh, that's excellent breakdown on your part, partner. Now, before we head on down the road and to the interview, we get to all the plugs. Uh, just want to mention, and John's going to go over it again, but please, if you haven't already, get over to kickstarter.com. Search Patriot Del Wilkes. 
please head on over there and look at it. The two-man power chip of wrestling is now the executive producers of this fine documentary by Michael Elliott. And go over to kickstarter.com. Take a look. Please contribute if you can. It's going to be a phenomenal project. I can't wait for everybody to see the finished product. And that's all I got. Enjoy King Mo. It's a great, I was joking with John before we came on here, saying it's a great personal look inside the life of King Mo because it's a lot uh, lot going on (laughs) with his family in the background (laughs) at one point. But it's very funny because he is a great guy. We had a lot of fun talking to him. It was a hell of a time. And hopefully we will have him on maybe before September in the uh, in the one-night tournament just to kind of get an update with him. But, partner, I'm going to hand it over to you. Oh, and also, sorry, before I forget, don't forget about Spartacon, uh, uh, August 15th and 16th at the Blue Crab Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland. You can check out redserpents.com for more information on that. And, partner, if I could ask you so bluntly, what's your favorite part of what's going to be going on at Spartacon? The best part of Spartacon is the Spartacon Marketplace. Features booth after booth after booth of unique, creative, and handmade products. That is the best part. If you ever go to these convention stuff, always go around to the vendor tables because these people are so passionate. They're almost as passionate as the fans, if not more so. So always go around, check out the vendor tables. They always have something cool, something unique. You'll even see some people that have appeared in the show, Spartacus. Some of the famous stars of Spartacus will be at some of the tables. Huge guest list at the show. A lot of passion, a lot of excitement, and a lot of vendors. That's the best part. So don't forget, if you're traveling to Spartacon, there's discounted rates at the Hilton Garden Inn and the Hampton Inn Hotels in Waldorf, Maryland. For more information, please go to the redserpents.com. That's Spartacon, August 15th and 16th, Waldorf, Maryland, at the Blue Crab Stadium. Please visit redserpents.com. Now, also, Chad mentioned the Dell Wilkes Project, the man behind the mess. Please go to kickstarter.com and search out Dell the Patriot Wilkes, and please donate to the cause. We are almost there, almost funded. So please jump on board as Chad member. I mentioned we are members of this project big time. We are executive producer. We were so excited when we saw Michael Elliott's awesome, awesome promo videos for this that we had to be a huge part of it, and we love Dell. So please go to Kickstarter, search out Dell Wilkes, and donate some money. Now some TMPT of wrestling business. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think. Also, please check us out on Facebook, Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can like us there. Always have great stuff. Also, don't forget about the Twitter machine at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Then, of course, cannot forget about the website. TMPT of Wrestling.com. That is TMPT of Wrestling.com. And please check out the upper left hand corner. Bombas is back, baby. The best sock ever in the history of the business is back. So please click on that link and do all your shopping with Bombas through us. We greatly appreciate it, and you get the greatest sock of all time. Now, without any further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, pro wrestler. MMA fighter, Bellator superstar, Bellator tournament winner, future Bellator possibly heavyweight and possibly light heavyweight champion, a former Division I All-American, 
a man who is a real pro wrestling champion, a man that has been the former Strike Force light heavyweight champion. Folks, the best entrances in the history of MMA. He is King Mo Muhammad of the Wall. If you're ready to rock, uh, we're ready to go. Yeah, Mo, let's do this. All right, joining us tonight is one of the most talented, entertaining, and charismatic stars in MMA today. He is a former Strikeforce light heavyweight champion, a real pro wrestling champion, a Bellator tournament winner, a Division I All-American, and the winner of so many freestyle wrestling championships we've actually lost count. And how can we forget that he has also competed and taken part in TNA Impact Wrestling, he is King Mo Muhammad Lawal. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. Sorry, I'm a little late, but, you know, I'm here, though, man. I'm here. I'm here. All right. Now, what is it like being the number one contender for not only the Bellator heavyweight title, but also the number one contender for the Bellator light heavyweight championship? I like it because it gives you more options. And more possibilities of making that bread. And I'm, I'm not, you know, MMA is, I consider it more entertainment. So I'm looking just for, you know, trying to make money. You know, it's not a true sport. Would you rather go after the light heavyweight title again? Or, or, or do you want to go after the heavyweight title this time around? Uh, I'm going to get, you know, man, I may have to go 205 first, which I will. I'll get that. I'll capture that. And then uh, I'll go heavyweight. You think you'd have an easier time with uh, McGeary, or you think uh, Minikoff would be an easier time for you? Ooh, that's a tough one because they're both tough. Um, probably Minikoff because he's heavier, <clears throat> and he's more of a, you know, he's a wrestling background because you know all the Russians wrestle a little bit. But uh, I don't know, you know, it, it, they're both tough. You know, they're both they both oppose a pose a both pose problems. Not this person. Now with McGeary, do you think that you'd have a, an issue maybe with his uh, his BJJ is great? Do you think you maybe to jujitsu, you, you take him down, and you think that maybe would be an issue for you? No, nah, I'm not worried about. I've grappled with guys like he's great, but to me, compared to the guys I've grappled with, is average. And he's a good jujitsu guy, but I've tra- grappled with Verdum, Hamro Bahal. I've grappled with Marcel Garcia, he killed me. Vinicius Magalhães. Um, you know, Gary Brothers, but, you know, I'm grappling with everybody. You know what I'm saying? Everybody you think of, I've grappled with some of the top, you know, top grapplers in the world, you know. And, uh, you know, I've seen that. I've seen that. We have grappled with Laborio, Master Laborio, Bruno Bastos. You know, they submit me, but I know I've seen it. I've seen what they have to offer, so I kind of know what to look out for against guys like like uh, him. He has the, um, the traditional um, Kendall Gracie slash Braulio Estima style. So I know to look out for. You know, Dean Lister, I've worked with him as well. Um, Rodrigo Bacci, I've worked with a lot of top grapplers. Leopoldo Sorrell. So I've I've grappled with some of the top grapplers, you know, in the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those are some high-class, great names that you just named. So I'm sure he's got nothing on those guys. I I know that. But he has no. He has some. He's talented, but things are like but these guys have experience on him, and they've seen. They've seen. Um, they 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 build the trends in actual. Um, the actual sport BJJ. Um, he's doing MMA. You know what I'm saying? So, the trends as far as like what you see in the matches are, are still behind MMA. Now, right now, obviously you're in Bellator. 
What are your feelings on Scott Coker? I mean, you work with him obviously in Strike Force too, and he was one of your big, uh, big fan. You know, he's a big fan of you as well. What do you think about working for Scott? I feel the same as everybody else. I'm cool with it. I like it. You know, um, he he's helping the he's he's bringing legitimacy to Bellator and Viacom. You know, so I'm cool with it. Now with Bellator, uh, and and obviously being on Spike TV. Do you like being on Spike? Because, you know, you're at the Premier Boxing Championships. That, you know, they really pump you up. I feel like obviously you're a huge star, but I feel like they know you're a huge star and, and they treat you as such. Well, well I, I don't know what the star thing. I feel, like, I feel like I'm marketable, but the thing is with TBC, I'm a huge boxing fan. Like for me, I love pro wrestling. I love amateur wrestling, you know, freestyle Greco. I love boxing. I love kickboxing. MMA is like, if I had watched, I'd probably watch those before I watched MMA. You think uh, Mayweather takes it on Saturday night? Yeah, I think he does. I think he washed him down. I think he uh, beats him, like, badgers him a little bit, not points him. I think that I think it'll be a good fight, but I think that everybody's talking about how Pacquiao does this and that. Yeah, he does, but I feel like Floyd's got to walk him down. Floyd's slicker. He'll do the jab, do the jab, and he'll um, do the um, body attack. And uh, I think it's a decision. Now, speaking of uh, Floyd Mayweather, obviously you did a lot of training with Floyd Mayweather Sr., and you could tell your boxing, you know, has been steadily improving. Do you enjoy that part of your game, or do you, you think that maybe wrestling is, is your bread and butter more more so? Wrestling is my bread and butter, but I can make the boxing enhance my – like my wrestling enhances my boxing, and my boxing enhances my wrestling. You know, it goes hand in hand. Like if I'm busting you up and then you're blocking my punches or the rage, I can take you down. If I'm taking you down and, and I'm take, over and over, you start to defend my takedowns, then I can take a takedown, come with the hands. You know, um, I trained mm-hmm. with Floyd Sr. for a while, but now I train with Jeff Mayweather. Um, Floyd, um, Floyd Sr.'s brother and, and Floyd Mayweather's uncle. But uh, you, have to, you have to be able to disguise one, you know. I use my wrestling to set my hands up. I use my hands to set my wrestling up. So it goes hand in hand. Mm, good point. Yep, Definitely. Now, if I could, I just want to mention some uh, you know great rivalries and some great fights that you've had. Obviously, one guy that, that sticks out immediately because he's he's in the news and he's topical, and perhaps maybe he's even a, a little overweight for his last fight. But that's Rampage Jackson. What are your feelings on uh, on Quentin? And and what do you think about your rivalry with him? Um, no, no feelings. Well, I don't really care much about him. I, I think I beat him. He knows it. Um, I, he asked for a rematch of the fight. I think he's a clown. Other than that, but. You know, I, I think I would always beat him. I think I would always beat him. The reason why the last I was so close is because the camps were slippery. With this new canvas, because people understand, if you watch the fights now compared to back then, back then people were slipping and falling. Now, ain't no slipping and falling. You're seeing, you're seeing better fights now because it's, it's a better surface. So you're seeing better fights, better strikes, you're seeing better everything. Yeah, the, going back and watching that fight, it was kind of weird. I mean, you're definitely slipping and sliding and stuff. You really couldn't get your footing. But even with that, it almost seemed like maybe the the judges didn't really make the right call that night. I mean, obviously for Rampage, he thinks they did, but um, a lot of people, uh, including I think a lot of people within Bellator, think that you won that fight. Not just Bellator, Quentin died when the fight because before the fight was the fight was results of calls. You look at his you look at his, look at his corners, body language, look at his body language, look at mine and and, and my corner. We were confident before the results were. He's like, no, I want a rematch. You can hear it plain and simple. I, 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 I wish Bellator would find that clip and just put it out there because he comes up to me and says, like, I want a rematch, man. I'm like, all right, ask me on. 
You know, if you want to fight, that's like, imagine if I, if, I, if I beat you in a 100-meter dash and then I come to you like, I want to re-race. Who does that? <laughs> right. You know, you don't, you don't see who's saying Bolt going, man, I beat you, but man, I want a rematch because it was close. You know, sometimes in MMA, it's funny. You can literally look at the guy after the fight and you can see, like, you were confident and he was like, you know, he was down in the dump. So it's basically, you could literally tell just, just right after the fight, two seconds later, you could tell he thought he lost and you thought you won. Yeah. It was, it was very weird. Another guy that you, you just beat uh, pretty easily, but the judging was absolutely terrible because it was a split decision win for you, but check Congo. I mean, you controlled him for all three rounds. You took him down when you wanted. What were your thoughts on that fight? Man, I, I was to tell you, like, MMA, like, I don't understand what the judges are looking at because in some places they like volume. Like, I'm going to be real with you. I think if I with Newton, I thought I won because – if you if you if you look at the highlights, there were no highlights for him because they kicked when he hit him in the neck. Other than that, he threw out punches, missed. I bust him up. I took out the takedowns. But you know, some people like volume, and some people like clean punches. It depends where you're at and what region you're in. But um, you never know what the judges are looking for. And the fact that they say, "Don't leave it in the hands of the judges," that's a dumb set of statement. Because if that's the case, why have judges? You know, what I'm saying don't have judges. If you can't stop them, make it a fight, make the fight a draw. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good point. And it's funny with that, that second Newton fight, I was going to mention that. That fight, as I was scoring along, you know, as, as Jimmy Smith does, you know, you score along with the fight. And I definitely had that, that fight for you as well. And and the judging was weird. Cause, I mean, he was, I guess you could say Newton was being a more volume striker, maybe. But he was he was missing a lot, and he was doing you know, a lot of that that uh, fancy stuff. And maybe that's what they were scoring on. Yeah, but, yeah, but the fancy stuff was even landing. Like, you know, like... Since when do you get credit for punching air? You know, if it's if it's if it's like if it's a concept of beating up air, then I definitely lost that. Like, cause I landed a lot, my, a lot more shots, a lot harder shots. You know, but if it's if it's an actual fight and it's about doing damage and and controlling the positions, then I won. Even with Quinn, Quinn did damage one round with one punch. Other than that, I controlled him. Like even the second round when he hit with the uppercut, that was early in the round. But I controlled the rest of the fight. I control the rest of the round. You know what I'm saying? I control the rest of the fight. It depends what the judge. I don't know what the judges want. No one knows. I think I have to start doing a better idea and doing a better job of like um, judging and how come to the, you know set criteria for these fights. Yeah, and, and looking at your record, you, you look, you're like, oh, I lost the rampage. You know, you lost the Newton in the second fight. But you really, really watch those fights. You go back and you evaluate it. You basically definitely won those fights, and you've kind of been on a somewhat, obviously the judges don't think so, but they might be a little idiotic, but you've basically been on a long undefeated streak if, if you really, really think about it. Well, you, you know, I, I, not to mention, those fights, those, hold on, please. those sites, I was, uh, I wasn't even 100%. I was, I was kind of, I was still injured, you know, cause my body didn't start making, bouncing back to that basis until, like, right before the quitting fight. And even then, it's good. Even then, it's getting better. Sorry about that. I don't know. Dodge crying because the iPads are messy. No problem. I'm gonna step up. All right. Hello. Is that better? Yep. Yep. Very good. Yep. Uh, all right. Now, um, I, just, I just want to uh, bring that point back up. I mean, basically, you've been on a long undefeated streak, but you were saying that um, you haven't even been 100% healthy. 
No, I haven't been. You know, I'm still trying to. I'm getting to where I'm getting there. Before I was, my body, my body was uh, still trying to um, push out the step. You know, that's seven But the, I was taking vancomycin. It took it for three months. My body, I could not just. I, I was taking high powered antibiotics, so I could not just eat the food properly or get any proper nutrients. So I was all beat up. My body was still sore from the surgeries and everything. So it took some time for me to bounce back. Literally about over a little, you know, about a year and a half. A little over a year and a half, almost two years to, to bounce back. Now, if I could uh, just go rewind a little bit and kind of the fight that kind of put you on the map and made you a big star. You beat Gagard Musasi in Strikeforce. You win the light heavyweight championship for them. What are, what are your thoughts looking back on, on beating him? And basically, I think maybe that's like you're coming out for you almost. Well, I, I'm going to be real with you. I feel like in my career, granted, it is what it is, but I got moved. I got I got I got moved like way too soon. I got moved too fast, and it, it all worked out. But I got moved way too fast. Like I was like Musashi a year into my career, and it was you know I feel like it's just a little too fast, you know. But I, but I but I I pulled out I pulled the victory out, and, and I kicked so much true skill. But he was so much more experienced than me, and no one gave me a chance. People thought I was going to get beat, but I, I won. But at the same time, like you know, I've I've been learning on the job up until recently. You know, up until you know, now I had great coaches and I learned stuff. But now, I'm like, like I'm learning how to relax even more, learning how to breathe, learning how to hold positions. Because before I was like, okay, I'm gonna take somebody down, just throw punches. I didn't learn, I didn't learn hold positions up until I fight the Gegard Musasi fight. Because even before then, I took him down, shot punch, and I was just punching, but I wasn't really landing anything clean. I was landing with nothing clean. But then, halfway through the fight, my coach was like, you know, I'm gonna hold the position. And look to land good strikes. Pick your shot. Just don't swing because it's getting me tired. Well, I'm going to follow it up and kind of move over into wrestling. So in yeah, 2012, okay. you signed with, uh, with TNA upon getting into uh, Bellator. But you had always been a wrestling fan. What are your first memories of professional wrestling? Uh, yeah, so many. My, my, but the one that stood out the most was when Ric Flair faced Sting in a 30-minute Broadway at the first class. I'm not the champions. Or it's class the champions. And I think on TBS. And uh, that's the that's my biggest like. It's the biggest thing that stood yeah, out that's, to me more than anything. That's a classic. 1988, the first class of the champions. Now, who stood out to you more in that, and who became one of your uh, your favorites there? Both Rick and Sting Flair, because like I mean, Rick Flair and Sting, because uh, um, I liked them both. Rick Flair was like, you know, he was flashy and he was so such a good bad guy. I liked him. And Sting was just like something different. I, you know, I didn't think I'd like Sting, but I liked him. And uh, he was built. He was pretty explosive. Had a good, had a good skill set. And I, I just I liked them both. But I was really pulling for Sting. And it crushed me when I saw it as a, a thirty minute on Broadway. That destroyed me. And I, man, I, it, it really hurt me, man, because. It seemed like Ric Flair would always just beat Sting at the last second. Or Great Muda. Either Great Muda or Ric Flair would always pull it off against Sting. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh the, the 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 you know the the kind of thorn in his side, Muda and Flair. Now that's a great uh great area of pro wrestling to get into the NWA. Were you more an NWA guy than a WWF guy? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> NWA, WCW, Mid South. Like I, I, WWE was was cool, but I was I just always liked WCW way better. 
I, I feel like even even like you know even like it's weird cause even with the not to be racial even even with the black wrestlers the black wrestlers you saw in uh, in WCW seem more real. Where in WWE you have people dancing and playing the dog this and that. You know W you know WCW had Ron Simmons and I for a case for I loved Ron Simmons when he won the when he beat Vader for the belt. Like I, I went crazy because you know I was like man I, I didn't think it's gonna happen. You know and then. We had guys like, um, you know, Booker T, Stevie Ray, you know what I'm saying, a.k.a. G.I. Bro when he was there. And, and you, saw, you, saw, you saw a difference. The only person I saw shucking and diving from WCW was Two Cold Scorpio more than anything. Yeah, that, and that's so, another classic era, that, that mid-'90s WCW. Those guys were definitely on top, and Simmons winning the belt is regarded as one of the, you know, benchmark moments you know, for the African-American professional wrestler, which is fantastic, and Simmons is the man. But when you got – now, how did you exactly get into professional wrestling for training purposes? Did you get in when you uh, when it was the TNA deal, or was it earlier that you trained? TNA deal, but the thing is, WWE offered me a contract after the Olympic trials, in, uh, I think in 04. And I went there with Brandon Eggum, and they, they liked me. They offered me a developmental deal, but I turned it down because – I was thinking, because, you know, Shad Gaspar was like, Mo, if you want to win a lovely title and then fight, do that. Russell will always be here. So that's what I did, you know. And granted, like, you know, sometimes I look back and like, I should have took a deal or maybe, you know, I should have kept, you know. But it is what it is. I made a decision. I, uh, I can live with it. But, um, you know, I waited and I got the opportunity to do TNA. And with TNA, they said, no, I ended up making second OBW. Because the first time I went to WWE trial, was OBW. This time, TNA flew out to OBW, and I had a chance to, like, you know, re, you know, re, you know try to attain my dream. Granted, it didn't really play out the way I wanted to, because I didn't get a chance to do a match. And I was match ready. I did matches for OBW. You know, I, would go, I went to practice. I went to FSW, worked out there. I, 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 can, I can work a match. I worked matches here at, at ATT. I felt ready, man, but just like the thing, things that work out the way it should have. And uh, Dixie, you know, was busy, and they just didn't like maybe I was ready or something. I didn't get a chance to prove myself. So WWE in 2004, uh, what was your initial impression of uh, when they first offered you a deal? Man, I was starstruck because I met Tom Pritchard and I met Jim Cornette, and then you know Orlando Jordan was there, um, Mark Henry, Sky who hide the worm. Doug Basham, Damager, uh, Nathan Jones. I was kind of starstruck. You know, I was like, man, look at all these people here, man. But these people have to make it. And, and some of them already made it already. Like Shaniqua, she's right there. And, you know, Tony Morrison. I worked at wrestling match with him a little bit. Just like, like you did a practice match with him. I had a great time doing it, man. I, but I just thought that maybe I should keep on trying to pursue the Olympic dream. <clears throat> Right. So now, 2012, you get you know you get in with TNA, and uh, how about your first impressions of uh, Dixie Carter and uh, the crew down in TNA? Man, it was cool, man. They were they were cool people. The locker room was cool, and uh, you know, and I had no problem with it. Uh, they 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 treated me real well. You know, open arms and showed me the ropes. Samoa Joe was real cool. Um, everybody back there, they were all cool, man. Bobby Roode, um, James Storm. You know, it was it was great. 
Yeah, and they brought you in to be the special guest referee for the Bobby Roode and James Storms Bound for Glory match, and then you really had a very, very pumped-up uh, debut. And uh, what was your initial impression about getting out there and walking through the curtain for the first time? Man, I was nervous as hell, man. Because I wasn't trying to be the black glacier. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, our glacier, we can't <laughs> no one, he ain't get no pops on it, man. Please don't be the black glacier. But that's the last thing I want to do. Because if I the black, if that's also a fail if that were to happen. And then, you know, and the, the you know, first of all, Glacier, yes, that was a huge, huge buildup. But I think that you already trumped the Glacier debut when you came out because there was such a buzz around your signing. And it seemed like when you, you know, when you left for a little while and came back in 2014, you were thrust right back into a main spot. But this time, as a heel, attacking Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray and Devon and aligning with Team Dixie. What are your thoughts about uh, getting to actually be a bad guy? I loved every – man, I loved it because that's one thing. WWE, when I went there and had my match, they are like, man, you're the ultimate heel. Because I was, like, doing stuff heels do. Because like, I was just thinking, like, hey, I'm going to show that Ric Flair mixed with Arn Anderson. Because Ric Flair had the, the the ring presence. But Arn Anderson, to me, the most underrated wrestler, probably my favorite wrestler of all time. Um Technique-wise and everything, in psychology, Arn Anderson was a beast. And uh, I loved Arn Anderson. I was probably a mixture of both. Yeah, can't go wrong uh, with the enforcer. And at TNA at that point when you were there in 2012 and then 2014, there were some legendary names hanging around, uh, I guess either working in a management area or also on air. Were there any guys that you went to or came to you uh, to meet and kind of, you know, get to know uh, while you were backstage. Yeah, I was cool. You know, I'm Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Goddard is my boy. Kenny King's my dog. Oh, man, everybody, you know, um, MVP, Bobby Lashley, you know, um, uh, Abyss. <laughs> They're all cool, man. I, the only person I regret not getting a chance to meet was Great Muda because I was, I was nervous. I saw him that. Saw me walk right past me, and I was too scared to like really approach him and shake his hand because the great Muda, like you know, was somebody I love watching wrestle, and he was more, like, probably one of the best heels. And he, I don't know, just I, I was I remember him. I remember him real well growing up. Yeah, that mood that was a huge appearance by Muda uh, when he was uh, in that same show that you guys were on together. Uh, but how about your status with TNA now? Have you closed the door completely on working with them, or is it something you'd like to revisit? I would love to work for them. It's just that, you know, I don't know how it's going to work now. They're a different, they're a different um, network. But I support them. I watch, I watch it still. Um, I, like, I, I'm, I, like, I like TNA, NXT. WWE is okay, but I like the independent scene. Like right now, my favorite tag team, other than, other than the addiction, because, you, know, you know, I love Kazarian, you know what I'm saying, Daniel. I love watching them. But the Young Bucks, man. I love oh, the yeah. damn Young Bucks. The Young Bucks. <laughs> God damn, they're good. Uha Nation sign. I'm a big fan of him. Ricochet. I like Lucha Underground. You know, there's a lot of good. Brian Cage is good. I like the, you know, the Reno Scum on the indie scene. They're good, man. I, a lot of guys now, I like, especially in the indie scene. And you know, AJ, AJ Styles is highly underrated. I love AJ Styles. Um, you know, Austin Aries. Like, you know, House of Hardcore always puts on great shows. I, the independent scene, man, that's where it's at, to be honest. Now, 
speaking of the independence team, you're mentioning a lot of great guys. What about you getting in there and uh, wrestling, or, you know, wrestling a match maybe for an indie show or something? What are, what are your thoughts about doing that? I would do it in a heartbeat, especially. I, like, what I want to do is I want to try to book Red Dragon and um, Tom Waller versus me and the Young Bucks here in Florida at an ATT show. You know, America Top Team, we do our own pro wrestling show for the kids here. And I want to book, you know, um, a six-man tag team. That would be awesome. And, and actually, uh, as, as you probably yeah. know, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, they have a lot of uh, MMA background. Yeah, yeah. They're, man, let me see. So Red Dragon, man, their boys are legit. They're highly underrated. I feel, you know, there are people out there that don't get the respect and the love that they deserve, man. Red Dragon brings it. Young Bucks, bring it. You know what I'm saying? The Bullet Club as a whole, man, I, I don't know. You, you, I feel like people, they're slept on. And, that, you know, sometimes people are slaves to a brand. Like, even the guys in NXT, you know, people are slaves to a brand, so they, they neglect everybody else. And then they want to be in the bandwagon once they make it. Like, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair, when they make it to WWE, Uha Nation, Owens, you know, when they make it to WWE, they're about to blow up. They, they change the game up. Yeah. All all awesome talent that hopefully is going to break out and break through soon. I'm a huge, huge Bullet Club fan. Love AJ Styles. Love the Young yeah. Bucks. That would be awesome to see you get in there with those guys and, uh, you know, them with their aerial style and you uh, stiffen them a little bit. It would be really, really fun, really cool match. Yeah. Now, you speaking of House of Hardcore, you made an appearance for House of Hardcore and had a little uh, altercation with Chris Masters. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Masters, you know. Got a chance to work with him. It was man, I, let me tell you some house of hardcore. That's when I heard about the young bucks on seeing stuff on them and I was like, ah but when they rushed the addiction, my favorite tag team, I was like, Okay, bad influence. I was like, Okay, let's see what they got. That was the best I'm like, Okay, let's get master how to compare the the Bucks versus um bad influence, aka the addiction. and if it is to compare, then I, I can't call the match great. Yeah, great, great tag teams. If you could pick a tag team partner, you would like to pick. Who, who would you pick, you know, as your partner going up against one of those two teams? Oh, man. Uh, it'd be Art Anderson, Austin Aries, Bobby Roode. I got, I got a few people I tag team with. One of those guys, you know. Oh, Vikita um, Koloff. Oh, you know, thank you. Barry Wyndham. I go back to yeah, Barry Wyndham. You know, something like something like that. Some awesome names there. Now, something that always strikes me with you, and, it, and it's kind of funny. I mean, it's, and it's awesome. But your entrances in your fights are they all inspired by pro wrestling? Yeah, pretty much. You know, they are. Like, I figured, like everything I've done is in pro. It's like this: pro wrestling, like like you know, kung fu flicks and and. uh Heathcliff, like, pretty much molded my life growing up. And Walter Payton. Those those are the things that were most important to me growing up. And boxing as well. But, you know, those five things are the most important things to me. I love Heathcliff. I love boxing. I love Walter Payton. I love pro wrestling. And I love Kung Fu Flicks. <laughs> that is, that's pretty great. Do you think that training for pro wrestling was harder than training for MMA? Hands down, I already said it. People want, people want to say, "Mo, you're just me on you talking about." I was like, "Okay, 
find a pro wrestling school, take some bumps. You just go for the first three weeks of pro wrestling school and see how you feel. You wrestle a match. Bill Moroni didn't believe me. He's like, there's no way. Being a fighter is tough. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's tough, Phil. But you won't believe me. Then Phil went to FSW and was like, oh, my back, my neck, my hips, my shoulders, my heels, my knees, all sore. I'm taking bumps. I was like, okay, I told you. People don't realize. They don't realize, like, it's, it's rough on your body. You go back in the locker room and you see guys that play go out in the ring, they're struggling to walk. You know what I'm saying? They're struggling. You got guys like Dolph Ziggler, who's like my age. You know, um, he looks good, but I'm, I guarantee if I was back in the locker room, he'd be struggling. Um, you look at um, Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Hager, probably struggling. Man, them boys put their, put their bodies to the ringer for the sake of entertainment. Now, when you did your training uh, for pro wrestling, do you ever have any, uh, you know, injuries beyond that that you'd never had in MMA before? No, nah, just soreness, overall soreness, no problem. Overall soreness, like my neck, my neck was always sore, my back, my hips, um, my shoulders, it was always sore because I'm taking bumps and, you know, it was, just, it was just rough, man. And one thing that that I'm always curious about, and I would just love to ask you, the King Mo nickname, is is it because of your love of maybe King Booker or King Harley Race, or, or where else did that, or how did that nickname come about? They came from, uh, my, my boy was like, I'm going to call you King Mo because you're the king of the crowd. So um, he was like, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I like that because yeah, I'm the king of the crowd because, like, the crowd either loved me or hated me. So I figured that that'd be a good, that'd be a good thing instead of just being some type of, um, like, you know, I wouldn't try to be no Doug or no drug dealer like that, but King Mo is something that anybody could be. A king, they're kings of all, you know, races and cultures. So I figured that, hey, King Mo sounds good. <laughs> Oh, and are you actually a fan of uh, King Booker? Yeah, King Booker. Yeah, Harley. Uh, all the kings, Harley Race. You know, um, Harley Race is good. to me. King Booker and Harley Race are my favorite ones, and Jerry King Lawler is a beast too. Now, one thing that's always interesting is when a guy jumps from one thing to another. You know, maybe one sport to another. What do you think about a transition from MMA to pro wrestling? Do you think it's easier to have the MMA background and transition to pro wrestling, or do you think it's the other way around, pro wrestling to MMA? It's both hard, especially if you if you're not a thinker. It's both hard. You know, it depends on how you how you you process things. Now, a guy that's doing that right now, obviously, very very famous pro wrestler, CM Punk. What do you think about his chances in the UFC? I think they're good, you know. I mean, as long as you want to learn, so and want to learn, we say what you see, and then they'll do good. You think that he might suffer from the same thing you did, like you said when you fought uh, Gagard Musasa. You said basically maybe he got thrown in there too early because he has so much experience. You think that that's the same thing could happen to CM Punk? No, because they'll probably get somebody he probably beat. They ain't stupid. <laughs> Oh, you think? You think that they'll just uh, force, you know, force feed him basically, easy opponent? Doesn't even doesn't give him an easy opponent. Doesn't give him someone that's so known but not good. Yeah. So you don't think that maybe like what they did with you, where the you throw him in with a Gagard Versace or somebody of equal skill, you, you don't think that um, they'll really they'll really test him out and see what he's got? Not not for his first fight, hopefully. Not for his first fight. I can see. I can see. They'll give him a, somebody to beat. Because first of all, you think about business. You think about CM Punk's first fight. Will probably do a million buys. 
So why why risk it? Let him get beat for his first night. Try give him yes. a few wins, then just get beat, get him beat later. Yes, true. That's a good point. I, yeah, I, think might... that, I think that if you build them, you know, say because be serious about it. Why why try to like break him down? Let him let him fight a grappler first. Let him fight fight striker. Then fight uh, a wrestler. Then fight a striker that can that has okay grappling. Then fight a grappler with weak strikes. You know, just like. Give him like you know, let him let him grow, and then once he grows, then once you feel like he's ready, then then give him give him a test. Now an, another guy that transitioned and actually did really really well for himself was Brock Lesnar. What do you think about Brock Lesnar going to MMA and then now he's back wrestling for WWE? You know he's just thing. He had amateur background. Um, he came at the right time, and then he left at the right time. So he did, he made his money smart. You, did you ever think that he might go back to UFC? Obviously, now he's retired, but did, did you no, think that he would end up back? I didn't. I didn't because you know how wrestlers like to do works, and, you know, they they did little tricks and pranks, and the wrestling community is kind of shady anyway, you know. Not to bash them, but, like, you can't really believe it, what everybody says, you know. Like when when they said Kurt Angle's going to make a comeback, I think he thought about it until he went to practice. It was like, okay, my neck's sore, my back's sore, my knees are sore. Uh, I might think about it. He just said he thought about it, but never was really truly in committal. Yes, very, very good point. Now, as we wind down here, I'm very, very curious about this. I mean, you fought an M1 Global. You fought for uh, Sengoku, World Victory Road, but uh, Sengoku. You fought for Strike Force, Bellator. What has been your favorite fight so far in your career? <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about it. You know, I, I, I don't think about. It. I don't. I never thought about it because I'm still fighting. You know, I thought like we start thinking about that. That's when we start to think that you, you know, the time's up. But I think about. I think that about that when I'm done. Now you have an opponent in your head that you you know you, you want to face. Is it Ram, maybe Rampage again, or or maybe beat Newton theoretically again? Anybody out there you want to fight? Uh, whoever. I'm a Bellator watching the fight. I don't care. A bit mixed with it. Now, as a you know, big wrestling fan, if you could pick one move, I know I know I read online that you like the Garvin stomp, but there was another move that you would like to do in pro wrestling, like that would be your quote unquote finisher. I like the I like the curve stomp, <laughs> the Garvin stomp, um, figure four leg like Scorpion Death like Scorpion Death Drop, um, the um, Diamond Cutter because I'm a big Diamond Dallas Page fan. Um, Stone Coast, the Stunner, the RKO. I like Mom. RKO is like a diamond card to me, so I like it all. Totally. Great finishers all around. And before we get to the plugs, just, we usually ask the le- what you think your legacy is going to be. And since you're still fighting, you're still making your legacy. But what's the biggest impact you've made so far in your career? I have no idea. Maybe I keep it real, so maybe the younger, the younger guys up and coming will keep it real like I do. Awesome. That's really that sounds pretty good to me. Now, where can we go ahead and find King Mo? Give us all your shots. Uh, King Mo FH on Twitter. King Mo FH. Of course, it's at King Mo, but King Mo FH on Instagram. And then I think King Mo. I don't know. I'm somewhere on Facebook. Y'all can find me on Muhammad King Mo the Wall, something like that. Somewhere on Facebook. Y'all can find me on there. All right, awesome. Well, King Mo, thank you uh thank you very much for your time tonight, my friend. This has been really cool.